0: Yeah, thanks to our awesome band. Um, this is Jake's second week on staff, so we're super excited to have him leading here at Vespers. Um, Annika is on leadership team, she's awesome, and Gracie is our worship intern this semester. So we have a great team. Uh, but this semester at Vespers, we will be journeying through Genesis 1 through 11 in our new series called And It Was Good. And last week we started, we kicked off our series, and we talked about first that um, in the beginning, humans were not there from the start of time, right? And so we cannot fully understand the beginning completely and perfectly because humans weren't there. And we also have no control over the end. We don't have control over what's going to happen, when the end's going to come. So we have to sit faithfully in the middle Of the story and receive what God has for us. And we talked about how Jesus is at the beginning of the story. Um, Jesus and the Trinity existed at the beginning of time, so Jesus helps us understand our posture and how to listen and receive the story um, and the theology of the beginning of time. And then we also talked about how it is hard sometimes to believe that this creation is still good, and that we are good, because there is so much brokenness and evil and sin and darkness and death in our world, Um, and so this semester we're going to be journeying through these stories and noticing how God is still good, and the same God that created the beautiful creation that we read, um, the creation narrative that we read last week, is still looking at us and declaring us good today. Okay, so that's what we're going to be working through this semester. Um, That's a little bit of what we talked about last week. Tonight, we're going to backtrack a little bit, and we're going to talk about the sixth day of creation and what it means to be made in the image of God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 is where we'll begin. It'll also be up here on the screen for you to follow along. So it says, So God created human beings in His image. They will be yours for food, and to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the sky, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give evergreen plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So in this text, we realize that God has separated humanity from everything else that he has created, and he has declared it not just good, but very good. So he is setting apart humanity as very good. And it is also the first time in um, the creation story that God speaks directly to something in creation. Okay, so nothing else that he has created, he speaks directly to, but when he creates humans, he talks specifically to them and, and um, acknowledges them directly. And that is a big deal because that is showing that God is already establishing this relationship that he's gonna have with humans. And then lastly and most importantly, um, God declares the fact that we are made in the image of God. God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, last week we talked about how we need to be faithful tourists in these stories, right? So when we want to, if we want to be good tourists, we need to be willing to step into the culture that we're stepping into, and not just first ask what, this, this, what does this story mean for us, but what did it mean for the original audience? And so we're going to get to practice that tonight, and I think it's super cool. I, just, I learned this recently and it blows my mind how creative God is. So, the original audience for Genesis 1 through 11 is the exiles from Israel to Babylon. Okay, so um, the Israelites, who were God's chosen people, had gotten taken out of their home, the chosen land, and were exiled to Babylon. And that is who the creation story is being written down for. Remember, we talked about how the creation story was um, oral tradition. It was passed on from generation to generation. And then finally, it was written down during this time period. So it was written to these specific people who were dealing with specific things. I mean, they were taken away from their home. And they were wondering if God still cared for them. And so we have a timeline up here to help us understand a little bit better. I'm a very visual learner and think very linear, linearly. Um, so I want to help us understand how this is working. So over there, the universal history, Genesis 1 through 11. That's what we're studying this semester. Okay, but way over here, almost at the end of the Old Testament, is the Babylonian exile. Okay, so all the way at the end, all, pretty much all the Old Testament has happened, we learn about the Babylonian exile later at the end of the Old Testament. And then those are the people who this um, creation story is written to. It is written for their context, what they're going through, what they're struggling with. It's to be applicable to their lives. Um, And so they are living out a response to everything that's already happened in the Old Testament. Uh, Okay, so it's pretty crazy. And I just want you guys to know that like, if this is blowing your mind right now, that it just wasn't written at the very beginning of time, that's okay, it kind of blows my mind too. But think about how we do this with movies all the time. I was t- talking to Cutter about it today, but like, um, we, we redo movie storylines, or not the storyline, but we reproduce the same movie over and over again, and we just update some context to make it a little bit more approachable for the people that are watching it in this um, time frame, right? And so the first movie that came to mind is Cinderella, Like, that movie has been made so many times. It's been made over and over again. And they just keep updating it. It's the same storyline. It's it's giving the same message, but there's just a little bit more context that is more meaningful to the people who are watching it in the updated time, right? So that's kind of what I want us to think about with this story, is that the storyline didn't change, that they were just making details to help um, it mean more to this audience, okay? So... That's our audience, and these people were living in response already to the Ten Commandments. And the second commandment, we can find, well, we can find all of them in Deuteronomy, but um, Deuteronomy 5, verse 8 says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. Okay, so... They're already living in response to this command that you are not to have anything on this earth to image God. And they've, they've tried it before, and they've gotten in trouble. Like, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that they try and make images of God, and then it gets them in trouble, um, and a lot of times it ends in death. And so they realize, okay, we, we cannot try and make images of God. That is bad. That's a no-no. Well, now they're in Babylon, and the Babylonians have all sorts of images that they worship. They have all sorts of gods that they're worshiping. And so now they have the commandments that they know they're not supposed to make images of God. And then they're also trying to still be faithful to God in this pagan world. And so they don't want anything to do with images of God. They're trying to avoid that at all costs because they are still trying to be faithful to the Lord in this foreign land. And then on top of that, it was also really normal during that time for kings to refer to themselves as the image of God. Kings would say they're made in the image of God. They would even sometimes refer to themselves as gods. And so um, that basically meant that kings were saying, we have the authority to rule, we are in charge, we get to tell people what to do, so we are made in the image of God. Okay, so that is some context clues to what the story was speaking it into. So, this um, statement that we are made in the image of God—that is written in chapter one of Genesis, chapter one of the whole Bible—was crazy countercultural, and it was super surprising to these people when they first read it and received it for the first time. And the first reason being is because they, like we just talked about, like they thought we could not image God in this world. Like, they thought that that was not okay, and so to be told that actually you are made in the image of God, God made you in his own image, was a big deal. I mean, can you imagine, like, trying to think about this God that you worship, that you knew that you were dedicating your whole life to, but you, I mean, it's still even hard for us to imagine today, like, God feels so far off, but now we know that we are image bearers of God. But until then, they didn't realize that, oh, humans, humans bear the image of God. Um, So you see, like, the fixed images that the um, Babylonians would worship, get a picture up there, looked something like this. And so these are fixed images. They are not free and they do not have the ability to be relational. Okay, but I want you to look around at the faces at your table. Everybody give some good eye contact. These people show you what it means to be free, what it means to be, have the ability to be relational, and to rule the earth. And that is what it means to be made in the image of God. Okay, and then the second reason why this statement was so countercultural and surprising is because remember we said that um, saying that you were made in the image of God was reserved for the kings alone. So to say that being made in the image of God is for all people was huge for all people. It didn't matter that your uh, your popularity or your wealth. All people are made in the image of God. It's pretty interesting, huh? A lot more context if if we read it first for who the um, original text was intended for, instead of just taking it simply at face value. So remember that these Israelites—they—they were—they were losing hope. They were taken away from their home, and they were starting to wonder: Does God still care about us? Do we matter to God anymore? And they were feeling far from free far from free. But God is saying here when he declares them made in the image of God that you matter that I do care about you and that you are indeed free and you have the authority to rule over the earth. So this is a message of hope for the exiles. And maybe just maybe this is also a message of hope that we all need to hear today as well. Because you see, being made in the image of God means that we have both freedom and responsibility. We have the authority to rule, and we are expected to take part in God's work here on earth. Okay, so our first question that I want you guys to discuss at your tables, if this is your first time, yes, we do table discussions. It's not just for the food that we have tables. Um, But our first question is, how does this change your perspective of what it means to be made in the image of God? How does this change your perspective? What was surprising to you? Y'all can talk about it. All right, let's hear what you got. Anyone want to share? Everybody enjoying their ring pops? <laughs> who bought them me you're welcome
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah we we got them the, we had a ton left over we got them the first week because we wanted to say um, be committed to a local church and put a ring on it so yeah Mm-hmm.
2: Abby hello okay works um we kinda we kinda switched the question up a little bit I and mean, then we talked about it, but we also talked about something else that was really good, so I wanted to share that. Um we kinda I kinda asked everyone in our group like, was there a time that uh they felt like you didn't deserve to be made in the image of God? Um because we felt like there are times in our life that although we are made in the image of God and that's very important. There are times where we feel like we mess up, and we're like, why am I made in the image of God? And then we kind of transition that into, um, to live like, to be made in the image of God is to live like Jesus. And we talked about how there are times in lives where we come and interfere with people that we don't necessarily like, but to live like God, to live in the image of God, is to show kindness and love. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how, um, you're gonna, like, you know, there's times where you can't do anything about it, but, um to be, to take the higher road is to be kind and show love and kindness and see from their perspective instead of kind of living selfishly in your own perspective. And we kind of talked about that's what it is to be in like the image of God.
0: Yeah. I love that. Jumping ahead to the the next part. Oops. Good. (laughs) Hey,
1: what's up guys? Uh, our table kind of like talked about, how it kind of gives us all, like, something in common as well, just because you meet new people every day and you meet people that are a lot different. Actually, Ethan brought it up that, like, this, like, being the image of God is, like, something you can relate to with other people around you. And I think that's a cool thing just to bring us all together and bring all Christians together and all humans together that we have something in common and that we're made perfectly in the image of God.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, I like, also just knowing we're on equal playing fields. Like, there's no one who's better made in the image of God than the other. Like, we're all in it together. Anyone else?
3: Hello, hello. Um, what we kind of discussed at our table was, like, the beauty of diversity mm-hmm. and, like, how we're all um, different, um, you know, pictures um, of like who God is and His character. Um, a friend of mine, uh, some time ago, uh, kind of made this uh, reference to bread, and said like, "There's not one person that's the entire uh, loaf of bread, mm-hmm. um, but like we're different slices. We have different <laughs> strengths. We have like different ways of um, connecting to like how like God shows Himself." And like I think that's super huge, because like when God created, um, he didn't, and he definitely probably could have, but like you know kind of worked as a team. It's like three people in one, but it's like, you know working as a team in his creation. so mm-hmm. it's just like how like you're really gifted at speaking and like Mr. Steven and like the people <laughs> in production and like Mr. Ross and like the kids and like we have so many talented people and just like when we come together like man like it's it's a really cool thing
0: yeah you yeah. know it's beautiful that God like mm-hmm. intentionally designed each of us to fit together like a giant puzzle to bring glory to his kingdom it's pretty awesome anyone else want to share before we move on Okay, cool. So that was awesome. I hope y'all had great conversations. But now let's talk a little bit more like practically. And some of you might have been jumping ahead to that, but that was more context. But now practically, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And we kind of touched on a little bit. It means that you have the authority to rule and that you have freedom and responsibility. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. But let's unpack it a little bit further. Uh, In Psalm 8, starting in verse 4, it says, what are mere mortals that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, and the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Okay, so did you catch that? Like He said that he crowned us with glory and honor. So being human is a gift. It's a big deal, um, and it's an awesome opportunity. And so I I just want to acknowledge that I think a lot of the times that we blame our humanity on, like, when we make mistakes or when we sin and mess up, we blame it on our humanity. Does does anyone do that? Like, I catch myself all the time, because of my humanity, blah, 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 I did this. Um, So a lot of times we blame our humanness and our weaknesses um, on, on, sorry, our shortcomings and our weaknesses on being human Um, Like we say, oh, because of my humanity, I started gossiping about that person again. Or, because of my humanity, I looked at things on my phone, uh, pictures on my phone that I told myself a hundred times I wasn't going to look at again. Or, oh, because of our humanity, we can't control the the fact that the the earth is dirty and that there's trash everywhere. Um, That's just not something that we have control over. And then there's also lots of songs that I've noticed that we sing that um, talk about our humanity being a weakness. Like Christina Perry's song, um, Human, I'm not going to sing it for you, but you know which one I'm talking about. Um, she, she blames, um, she, she says that our humanity makes us weak. Um, and then also Rag and Bone Man's song, um, you might, I don't, do y'all know who that is? Uh, I had heard this song before, but I want want to listen to it real quick and listen to the lyrics, um, and then we're going to talk about it. you get what he's saying? He's saying, I make mistakes. Yeah, we make mistakes. But he's saying, I'm only human, so I can't be blamed for it. Um, but we have responsibility as humans. We can't uh, make, our, our humanness is not an excuse for our weaknesses. We don't get to blame those things on our humanity. Our humanity gives us power to rule, and it comes with responsibility. Our shortcomings aren't because of our humanity. That's because of our sinfulness, Okay, so we need to separate the two. Our sinfulness is what makes us weak and what makes us screw up. Our humanity has power, and it is a gift because it's made in the image of God. Okay, so y'all get that distinction? And I really want to challenge you to start thinking about that. Like, when you mess up, don't blame it on being human. Being human's good. Being human's really good. Very good. Um... Which brings me to my next point, is that we as humans have to take responsibility in the world. We can't just um, check out and be in our safe little Christian bubbles and say, hey, I can, I'll control me, but um, everything else that's happening around me, that, that doesn't matter. No, being a human means that we have responsibility to care for the world. We have responsibility to care... For the earth, um, we're called to subdue the earth. That's what it says in Genesis 1. Humans are to subdue the earth and rule over it. And what subdue means in like a gardening metaphor is that we're supposed to take this plot of land and we're supposed to plant seeds and then we're supposed to take care of the ground and water those seeds to help them grow and flourish until they create fruit and then we can harvest that fruit and share the fruit with people around us. So that's what it means to subdue the earth in like a garden metaphor way, and I I don't think that that's just a metaphor, I think that we're supposed to take care of the physical earth and grow things and help the earth flourish, but it also um, can translate into our relationships and how we care for situations and people groups, like we are supposed to be people who are noticing things that are broken and that need the image of God brought into them and we're supposed to plant seeds and care for them and help them to flourish and bear fruit. So some practical examples is I was um, getting coffee with one of my leadership team members yesterday, and he was telling me how he is passionate um, and thinks that he is supposed to care for the homeless. And by ch- choosing to care for the homeless, is he is doing his part in subduing the earth and ruling over the earth. That is him choosing his plot of land to rule over. Or maybe you're passionate about serving in kids, whether it's with Vista Kids with Ross. Or um, my husband served with this ministry in college called Called to Play. Is anyone a part of Called to Play in here? No? Well, it's a really cool ministry. Oh, yeah. Um, so he would go to this low-income school once a week and play games with kids. And then they would eat snacks. And then they would teach him a Bible story. And that was Aaron's part in subduing the earth. And ruling the earth and planting seeds and caring for it and helping it grow. So I hope that's helping your your wheels turn and think of practical ways to subdue and rule the earth. So when there is chaos and brokenness in our world, which there is everywhere, um, all around us, we must be willing to step in and play our part and choose our plot of land to subdue. And then lastly, I also want to acknowledge that as Christians, when we step into these spaces, it does not mean that we are to come like full force, um, being too authoritative and just exercising our power and reigning over people. Um, No, there's a human who gives us a really good example of how to subdue and rule the earth. And he was born in a manger and he rode into his kingdom on a donkey and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, right? Jesus teaches us how to rule the earth. Jesus teaches us what it means to be made in the image of God. In fact, he is the perfect image of God. He is the perfect human, and he is helping us become new humans who are image bearers of God. So we rule the earth by servanthood, by washing people's feet, by humbly healing what is broken. Jesus teaches us how to perfectly engage with and rule the world. He teaches us this new way of being human that is very good. So our next question to talk about is how can you tangibly practice being made in the image of God? What is your plot of land that God is calling you to? Ready to discuss. All right. Does anyone want to share any of their ideas on what their plot of land is?
2: Okay. Um, so we talked about um, like how we were like called to like love people, um, especially me. I'm a very loving and caring person, while also being outgoing. So, I always look for the good in people. I never look for the bad. Even if I can see the bad in people, I try not to uh, judge them on the bad part. I always try to look and find the good, even if it's deep down in that person, (laughs) because in some people it is. So, uh, that's just, like, what I feel like that's my uh, land, what I'm called to. Yeah,
0: I love that. So, you're, you're intentionally looking to, like, raise people up. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, um, Bob Goff in one of his books talks about, let um, see if I can explain this well, but he talks about how we don't need to tell people what they aren't. We need to tell people who they are. And so instead of telling them like the bad things that they're doing, we need to remind them about how good they are. And so I, I love that. I think that's awesome. Anyone else want to share? Oh.
1: Hello. Oh, it's on. Okay. Um, At our table, we kind of talked about how your plot of land, it could be something you're passionate about, it could be something you love, it it could also be something that breaks your heart. It could be something that just makes your heart weep. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, it's kind of like, you could be passionate about, like, kids, Mm -hmm. and then you could it could break your heart, the homeless population. Yeah. And, you know, you might not be passionate about serving the homeless, but you go there, you serve there, you do that. And that's two different plots of land. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're a landowner, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then, just a second ago, I thought of 1 Thessalonians, and it made me think of Paul and how he's a really good example of, like, bearing the image and having a plot of land. Um, He's talking to the Thessalonians. Um, He said, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Um, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you. Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. And so, like, they not only went and told them about Jesus, told them about Christ, but they lived among them. Mm -hmm. They shared their lives with them. They shared their experiences um, and they worked while they worked, they were loving like God. They were, um, bearing the image of God. And we kind of talked to also about how there's a lot of distinction nowadays between your Christian life and then school and work and how we don't think there should be a distinction. Mm-hmm. There should be your life with Christ. Yeah. All at the same time.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, We get to subdue the land that, like, we are physically in. I mean, you can care about things that are happening on the other side of the world, and we should care about that as Christians, but you also are called to be right here where your feet are, and that's in class or that's in your job. Um, So that's, yeah, I love that. That's really good. I had another thought that I wanted to say, but it's gone. (laughs) Great. Anyone else?
3: Hello? Okay. Yes, ma'am. I think something that is definitely important is what you shared about Bob Goff is, like, focusing on, you know, what plot of land, what abilities, what, um, you know, giftings, what things that I enjoy that, like, God has um, given me Mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, those things that may not necessarily be... um, you know, my sweet spot. So it's like uh, my brother uh, Jonas um, It's like, you know, gifted uh, tech-wise and just, like, the importance of the people that are around you. Um, like, if I were to tomorrow um, go to Elijah and be like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, this career, um, you know, just looking down the road, and I'm thinking about working for Mac. And, it's like, uh you know, tech is it, is it by thee, you know, like uh, if somebody that's like close to me and cares about me can like speak uh, love and be like, mm, I don't know, maybe we can look at this together, yeah. you know, and just yeah. kind help of you, help you find, you know, like where those um, things that you do have, like how you can uh, utilize those yeah
0: I think that's awesome yeah and I that's why like talking about your plot of land with people is really healthy and being like hey what do you think about this idea I think this is what I'm called to and having people to speak into your life or maybe you're like I don't know what I'm good at but I promise you if you ask your friends around you they can say hey I know that you'd be gifted in this area and be able to call those good things out in you yeah one more
4: uh, yes, so we kind of talked about like the image of God. Um, a lot of us kind of grew up with like an image, like whoever it was, whoever we put on a pedestal, like that was the image of God. Mm. And you know, when you talk about that we are all the image of God, like that changes of like what that looks like because everybody goes through their faith differently. Yeah, And so everybody's like image of God and like how they see themselves or like receives the message is how they're going to act towards towards that. And so with like our plot of land we have you know two people who want to be teachers so like they're really geared towards children like our mission trip dealing with children like that really impacted me and like I want to be a nurse and do pediatrics with children but there's some people who don't necessarily know what that big plot of land is and we were kind of explaining how like at dinner if you're with a whole bunch of friends and one of y'all are praying and like you're all all about to eat and you all see that everybody pauses everybody recognizes that that one person's praying even if you do or not and like something like that is so simple as being your plot of land mm-hmm. to gear up conversations, you know, for that dinner or for that lunch or for whatever that is or, you know, we have some basketball girls like just staying late and rebounding or like helping, you know, one person shoot around or a little bit like that can easily be a pot of land that you don't even know that you have. Yeah. And so looking for not big things but even small little tangible things that you can do every day and like check off.
0: For sure. Yeah. Being, a faithful subduer of the earth. Subduer, I don't know if that's a word. Um, Doesn't mean you have to go be a missionary overseas. You can do really practical things right here. Yeah. Okay, well, anyone else really want to share anything? No? Okay. So, yeah, Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to rule. And if you're questioning, like, I don't know, how I'm supposed to rule the earth, how I am supposed to freely have responsibility. Go read the Gospels. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and, and just sit and study Jesus' character and then you will learn how to faithfully subdue the earth. Um, and it is done by humility and not by pride. So the moment that you get caught up in the fact that you're doing a great job, you're, you're a great farmer or gardener, like, you're missing the point. You, it is done by serving people and washing people's feet. Um, and then I lastly want to say, just please like, do not try and escape your humanity. Your humanness is a good thing. Um, it's, it's not a weakness. It's a gift. So lean into it. Lean into what it means to be human and be present um, and really look to Jesus for what it means to be very good.